Happy Easter. Good morning. He is risen. We can do that even better than that. He's risen. He's risen so good. It's so good to be here on a morning like this. Could you imagine being any other place? I sure could not. There's just something about Easter morning, is there not? Around the world, 2.5 billion people around the globe call themselves followers of Jesus Christ or Christian, and at least in some sense of that word, and they are joining together on a morning like this to say, He's risen. risen So to make sure that you are actually paying attention when I speak, every time I say, he's risen, you will respond by that. Even in the midst of the sermon. How's that? Yeah? I think that ought to go well. That's great. That's great. My name is Previn Vong. I'm the pastor here uh, during this interim period, and it is so good to see you. If you're here for the first time or have not been here uh, for a long time, uh, we are so glad to see you. I hope to get to meet you also after the service, so, so don't hesitate to come uh, shake my hand, and if you're that kind, I'll give you a little hug. That's okay, right? And, and so those of you who are following along also in a different place for different reasons, uh, it is so good to be with you. I, I get it's a wonderful and very kind letters uh, from uh, so many of you also that you participate and, and wish that you were able to get out of the door. Um, but you are certainly just as welcome as anyone else. You wonder maybe, maybe why do we have this he's risen and he's risen indeed kind of response. And it really goes back to the very early church. And you see it already uh, in, in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, when they came, declared to the women as they came to the tomb, and the angels stood there, and they said, where is he? And he said, he's not here, he has risen. He has risen there you go. <laughs> and then... On the road to, to Emmaus, so those of you who, who know that story uh, will recognize it in Luke chapter 4, for those of you who don't, that Jesus is walking with the disciples and then he reveals himself as the risen Lord to them and they rush back to the disciples that are gathered and assembled in Jerusalem and they come in and say, he has risen indeed. I, I, I just, I just... <laughs> I hope you get excited about this, right? And I'm just trying to envision in my own mind what would happen if I had been there and I stood there and I looked at them crucifying Jesus, them putting a a spear through his side. I saw him die. I saw him uh, take uh, take him down from the and put him in the tomb. And then suddenly he shows up. Can you get yourself there? You know, that's when your, your, draw, your jaw drops to here, right? This is when we get to this point. So, so let, me, let me just see if we can capture this, right? It is one of these imagine, incredible moments in the life of the world, really, uh, and certainly in the life of the church. We are gathered here today, friends, to simply declare that he is not dead. He is alive. Indeed, he is risen. I love you. This is fantastic. This is fantastic, right? And it is because he, uh, that he is risen and because he lives that we also 
live with life and purpose and, and focus. And, and we have to get together and sing what we did today. Hallelujah. He is alive. You know, when, when Peter writes to the church, he says that we have this joy unspeakable, full of glory. He's trying to find words to express. He can't just say, I'm happy. He can't just say, I'm, I'm joyful of what has happened. It is a joy that is unspeakable, full of glory. And the power that raised Christ from the dead and gave him new life is that same Christ as we have already sung that are going to rise us up for a new life. Indeed, he is risen. You know, we can talk about Easter in, in three kind of dimensions, if you will, right? You can look backwards and rejoice uh, of all that happened, the mighty deeds of God. And, and then you can be filled with this unspeakable joy uh, that we can express that God has done tremendous things through Jesus Christ, that he showed himself to be the God that, that is stronger than death itself. That he's not just the God that created the universe, but he's also the God who participates in our everyday life. He is a living God and he showed us that through that. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate the empty cross and the empty tomb. But we can also look at another kind of uh, dimension, if you will, uh, of the uh, resurrection message. And that's the effect that resurrection has on our daily life even now. That's what happened when we talk about the new life that Christ has given us, the power that we see through his presence to live out a certain kind of life that reflects who he is. And when we celebrate that, we celebrate that living God who is there by his spirit, who has called us to follow him and follow in his footsteps. The third dimension that we, that we see is uh, about the future, if you will. And that's that ultimate time, that, that last moment when we all will come to stand before Christ and come to know what resurrection mean, means for every one of us. That's that time when we recognize that that power that was granted Christ at that point from God himself is the same kind of power that in parallel kind of uh, way will, will raise us on that day, on that last day. And that was all because of what happened that day when he walked out of that tomb after the stone had been rolled away. Are you there yet? That last kind of point, that, that future dimension, if you will, is that most personal kind of thing that will touch every last one of us. When we talk about the power of God and God's power to give us new life and even eternal life, we're talking about what happened right here. When that stone rolled away and he walked out. And at this point, friends... None of us escape the reality of having to reflect on what is really going on. Unless Christ comes back in our lifetime, we will all come face to face with this. We will all die and have to reckon with our own mortality and the power of resurrection. That it doesn't end just there. We will come to stand 
before that question. And I think that old age old question that has been asked from the beginning. What happens when we die? It's the same question that comes up again and again and again. And it happens even nowadays, maybe with, in, with increasing force as we daily all the time are facing the question of life and death. Not only as we see it on the screen, but even as we meet friends and neighbors and workmates, etc. There's so much going on with this. I, I think the first time I remember... <clears throat> really being confronted with that in, in some kind of way uh, was in, in, I had a biology teacher in the eighth grade who always wanted to kind of challenge anyone who had uh, any kind of faith beyond just materialism uh, as he was convinced. And, and you know, my old uh, young debating eighth grade self, I didn't know exactly how to just hold back in the class. So when he just declared that, that we are just, you know, here for a season, we, we, when we die, we die like a cow, we're done and we're buried and that's it. And I said, what then is the purpose of living? And he goes, well, I guess you just need to enjoy it while you can. And I go, so enjoyment is all that there is? No purpose, no focus, no meaning? Nothing, no tasks, just fun? That seems not much to live for. But see, that question comes again and again and again throughout human history. And, and, and the question about resurrection has given rise to all kinds of opposition, all kinds of ridicule throughout. But also serious questions, really. Some are asking serious Questions, And that's why it is natural for us, I think, even on a morning like this, to look at some of these questions and just dwell with this for a moment. The clearest uh, teaching we have on that comes from the 15th chapter of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And I'll read from verse 35 and going forward. The kind of very clear teaching that runs from this is that at one time, We will be renewed based on what happened to Christ. We know that at one time we will be raised from the dead. And just like he walked out of the tomb that day on that first Easter morning, we too will recognize that there is a power, an almighty God whose power is sufficient also to give us a brand new existence with a new body and a new reality that will be with him forever in glory. In verse 35 of the first letter to the Corinthians, those who you have your Bible, could look there, those who don't, just look at the screen. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? You fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be but only a seed, perhaps a wheat or other grain. But God gives it a body as he wants. And to each of the seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for the birds, and another for the fish. 
There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There's a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. I wish we've had more time, but Troy would be upset if we cut into his singing time. To read it, <laughs> you're kidding. You know we're kidding. But there's so much here. But, but let me just dwell with a few things that are really important to notice here. The, the question here from verse 35 about how the dead are raised really is a question to speak to in which way? With which kind of power is doing that? What kind of might has the ability to take that which is dead and rise it and, and raise it again to life. There's a certain unknown to us power that, that is behind all that. And, and Paul gives the answer. He said, God will grant to human beings new bodies that are suited for a new reality that belongs to glory or to the eternal life. And, you know, I think some of you, maybe you're not, but, you know, some of us uh, will be arrested just a little bit when, when Paul looks at them and he says, you fools. Now, if I said that from here to you and you thought I meant it, you know, that my meant not invite me back next Sunday, just say it. But this is not a place of superiority where, where Paul is just trying to tell them all that they're fools. It's more a question where he's, he's letting them know that the question you're asking is really kind of superficial, unreflected. Have you not looked? Just look around you, he says. When you have these objections, look around what you see. That's the point. And so, all the time when you look at nature... You will see how life is created out of death. And you see how, how God on the one hand is doing that. On the other hand, he is able to create life forms that are uniquely fitted to their particular situation. And so, he is pointing to Three different ways of looking at nature that, that they know. One is the world of plants. The other one is the world of animals. And the third is the world of astronomy. And he argues from that which is visible, which everyone can see and observe. And then he draws that to a question of that which is invisible. He said, just like it is what you can observe, here's how it works in the spiritual invisible world and so first as you look at the text if you have it he will begin talking about the plant world and he says just look at a plant and notice what has happened what you sow does not come back up unless it first dies that is his very argument here out of corruption out of of decay comes 
incorruption, new life and, and resurrection. You put a seed in the ground. And this seed will, will, will dissolve. And, and as it dissolves and dies, then new life power comes to it. And it shoots up and blossoms again in a new plant. Some of the old philosophers of Corinth may have rejected that and said there cannot be any life because the body dies. Therefore, there is no resurrection. And Paul says for the Christian, it turns exactly the other way. It is because the body dies that there will be a resurrection. Unless the body dies, there will be no resurrection. This is both a spiritual and a physical reality. Our own Lord Jesus Christ said the exact same thing when he, when he talked about his, his own death. In, in John chapter 12, he says, unless a seed is put into the ground and dies, it will remain a single seed. But when it is put in the ground and dies, it will bring much fruit that is a physical and a spiritual kind of reality that is how the reproduction of the species if you will works life comes out of death and the bible says it is exactly the same that is true in the spiritual world i don't know where you all are or those of you are listening in your own faith a journey and how you understand some of these things but listen to this this is paul's strong argument he is he is facing a situation and people that believe much of what has become common kind of statements in in the people without faith so the largest seed in the world is a special kind of Coconut, it's called coco de mer. Uh, it weighs up to 40 pounds. It's 12 uh, inches in diameter. But when you take this mighty seed and, and put it in the ground, processes begin to work and it dissolves and it comes apart. It begins to decay and it dies. And then out of that comes new life power and it shoots up and a new coconut tree is there. The smallest seed in the world is a special kind of orchid it takes 35 million seeds to make up one ounce but the processes are the exact same friends you put it in the ground begins to decay and die and new life power come and shoots up this is kind of how god has worked this if you're trying to think about it just for a little bit now the oldest seed that we have found, there's some are claiming older things, but there's not been verified. But what we do know is that there was a, there was a, some date seeds that was found in the, in the, in the tomb of King Herod the Great. So 2,000 years old, and they took these seeds of a date and they put them in to be, to germinate. And 2,000 years later, guess what happened? They began to decay and they dissolved and they died and new power came up and a new date tree came out of what everybody had declared death came new life god has the power friends to bring new life out of death are we hearing this 
just, just, just listen to this and, and think about it. If I can use this to argue like a believing Christian would argue, indeed the same way that Jesus argued in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, you can go there and see the same line of argument. When we take as the beginning point, that, that everything we say is based on this foundation, if you will. Consider this self-evident that there is a God who is almighty. Take that as a starting point. Then, let me ask you this. Do you really think that God cares more for an acorn in an oak tree or for a sunflower seed in a sunflower or for a pumpkin seed in a pumpkin, or for, a, a, you know, a, a wheat grain on a wheat stalk, than he does you. Really? Think about this for just a moment. Do you think that God would allow a sunflower seed to be put in the ground to die and then have new life power to be raised and not have the same kind of concern for you? Just think about it. Some of our arguments fall completely to the ground when you start thinking about this. That he should have less concern for you, you that he redeemed by this suffering on the cross. You that he sent his Holy Spirit to live within you and among us. We who know what it means to walk with Christ, we who are created in the very image of the Almighty God, you think he cares more for an acorn in an oak tree or pumpkin seed in a pumpkin than he does us? Friends, these are real questions that are not easily put away. This is where we are. Every believer says, no. No, no, God cares for me. The God who create oak trees out of acorns and sunflowers out of sunflower seed will bring back to me new life, new body, gifted and fitted for a new reality in his eternal presence. Not only is that true, I want you to stay in the tech. We're just kind of walking through that. And notice here how, how there's connection and disconnection, uh, similarity and, and dissimilarity, if you will. If you notice what is happening here in verse 37, just look at the text. If you have it, you will see that, that you uh, don't plant what comes up. You don't put a, an oak tree in the ground. You put the acorn in the ground. You don't put a, a whole wheat stalk in the grain. You put just a naked uh, grain or seed, uh, if you will. And so, if you think that God will allow this to sprout up, and you will see that whatever has been put down will, will germinate, and it will, it will work, and, and it will decay, and new life will come up, you will again see that God can take what is and transform it to something much stronger, much more life-filled than anything else. Create 
Life out of death is the power that God has. It's the power that we are reminded that out of what is perishable comes that which is imperishable. The body that is raised is without the perishability, if you will, that we know now. There's a connection, clearly, but also a difference. It will be the same, and yet it will be different. And that, friends, as we sang about earlier, is the Christian hope. Because it was resurrection morning, that first Sunday morning, everyone who believes will come to experience that resurrection power. You, 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 you who are watching, all of us will come to experience that in some way or another. That God is able to create bodies that are uniquely suited for that new reality. No pain, no suffering, no frustrations, no depressions, no struggles, but suited for the life in God's and this is what he talks about in verse 40 when he says there, there are, are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. Different bodies suited for different situations. And we understand that. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? So you have a human body. Humans have certain bodies. You have livestock that are suited for life on the ground. You got birds suited for life in the air. You got fish suited for life in the water. Just look at the text, how clear that is. And we, we understand that. God has done it. And you may ask yourself, has he exhausted his power? Maybe I should ask you that. I think the answer is no. Paul says, me genoito. That's a Greek word. And we don't know how to translate it because it's such a strong word. We just say, heck no. <laughs> not even at all. Not close. Did I just overstep my boundaries by saying that? That's probably what was in the intention of that term. God still has the power to create us for suitable life in his presence. And we shouldn't really be all that, that frustrated about that or confused about that. People say, well, how did that all work? Well, <laughs> look, any one of us has seen a video or, you know, National Geographic or something where we see that there are certain animals that have long noses and long tongues, right? So they can fit and, and get into a crevice in a rock and, and, you know, pull out some, some little things that they can eat. Yes. And there are others that have long necks so they can eat from, from treetops. Suited for their environment. And when that is the case, Paul says, on a physical level, that is even more so the case on the spiritual level. The message of Easter on a resurrection morning like that is, like this, is exactly that. That God has the power to create life out of death. And he has the power to refit us. Still connection. Still a lot of similarity. But to fit us for life in his presence. Did someone say hallelujah? Oh, I forget to ask you about that, right? He's risen. 
This is Easter morning in a special way. Can I draw this to a close, friends? I'm, I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at Troy. Uh, <laughs> let me just look here, right? And just come to this. We see what is going on. We translate what we have learned and put, put it into our current situation. The great promise is that there will be a resurrection on the final day. But that same resurrection power, which is mighty to raise people up, is available already now. Think about this. The spiritual dimension, even in your own life. Just reflect on that for a moment. If there has ever been a time And I know you know people, and I know you know things, and I know you've seen things also beyond what you know personally. So you know what I'm saying is is a reality. There has not ever been a time where God's people, we have had a greater need to know the power that will rise people up to new spiritual dimension. You hear this? You know it in your home. You know it with your friends. You know it in your neighborhoods. We certainly know it in this world. But because we're here to celebrate that he is no longer dead, he lives because of that. We see that there's power even now for this. He has a way and the power to create new life that is extraordinarily suited for this particular situation. We're not going to face situations where we have no power. We don't know what life looks like in this situation. He will bring that. So can I ask you as individuals, maybe us together as a church, if we this Sunday, of all Sundays in the year, this particular Sunday, if we can come together to praise the one who is resurrected and to ask him that he will grant to us some of that power that was released in the resurrection, that we may also know what new life looks like in our new context, in our new reality. Some of that need, some of you need to know that personally, and we all need to know that as a community. Could it be true that we in this place, in the time that is now and the time that lie before us, that we may be able to stand together and say right here with Paul that which is sown in Incorruption shall be raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor shall be raised in glory. Sown in weakness will be raised in power. New situations are upon us, friends, as individuals and as all of us. And the message from the resurrection morning, Paul's clear note to that church then and to all churches since is what we just shared. Father, I ask that you will speak to us with power, both about new life that comes out of death, even spiritual death, 
but also life that is fitted that we may have that resurrection strength for a new situation that we find ourselves in both as a church but also as individuals in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, our friends, in our schools, all of that. Speak, Father, that no one here would get up and say, I was here. It was Easter. I went, and I'm now gone. May we have met with the living God. Thank you. That you did not come to die, you came to conquer death. And may we live in that reality. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. And we will sing a song. But I want you really to not just sing a song, really. Spend this time praying. Some of you may just want to grab someone's hand. Some of you may want to come and kneel. Some of you may want to call someone on your way back. Whatever God is talking to you about, don't just sit here and hear this. We'll be here also after the service. So good to see you. More importantly, it'll be wonderful to pray with you.